Just lift your hands up right where you're at right now. Lord, we cry worthy. Lord, you're worthy. God, there is no one else like you. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you took our black hearts. Lord, you washed them in your red blood. And now, Lord, we are pure. We are righteous. Lord, we are accepted. Lord, we are your sons and your daughters. Lord, we thank you for what you did 2,000 years ago, Lord. We didn't deserve it. But Lord, even when we were yet enemies of yours, Lord, you died for us. God, how can we not cry worthy? How can we not cry worthy, Lord? Lord, you are so worthy, Lord. You've saved our soul. Lord, you've seen us through rough times. Lord, you've never left us, Lord. You've always been faithful, Lord. We cry worthy today, Lord. We cry worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 23, the Bible says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me take the wafer or the cracker in your hand crush it between your fingers symbolizing what Jesus Christ did for you Take it now. After the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Hold the cup up, symbolizing the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, recognizing that this blood that he poured out was for you and I. Take and drink now. As they sing it one more time, just lift your hands up where you're at. Worship the Lord with everything within you because he is worthy. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your provision, Lord. When there was no other way, Lord, you provided the way, Lord. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for the blood of Jesus Christ that has washed away all of our sins. That, Lord, we can stand here today and cry worthy, Lord. You are so worthy, Lord, of all of our praise, God. Lord, we thank you for your presence that we feel in this house, Lord. And God, we ask that you would just continue to move. 
and to have your way in the remainder of the service, Lord. And we give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We thank you again for being with us today in service. And we are just, uh, I don't know about you guys at home, but I trust that you are feeling the same presence of the Lord that we're feeling here. Amen. Nothing like his presence. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. The book of Matthew, chapter 28. I'm sure that there are many that are expecting and anticipating a typical Easter message, but uh, I will assure you that it wasn't just picked just because it was Easter, but yet it was sought after uh, in prayer, and uh, I believe that this is what the Lord would have us to minister on today to the people, amen. So Matthew chapter 28, if you're there, say amen. Amen, and we'll read the first seven verses. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. I want you to pay particular attention to rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Do not fear, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. Praise God, he is not here. For he is risen, as he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you again in the name of your Son, Jesus. And Lord, we are so thankful again for the presence of your Holy Spirit that we feel in this place, Lord. God, we believe and know, Lord, that you have already touched hearts. Lord, that you have already touched lives, Lord. God, if we were to leave right now, we could say that it has already been wonderful. But God, we are here today to deliver the word that you have laid upon our hearts, God. And Lord, we're asking that, Lord, your anointing would rest upon us, Lord, that your anointing would rest upon our lips, God. Lord, that the words that you have hid within our heart, Lord, would come forth, God. Lord, that not one word, Lord, that you would not have spoken would be spoken, but that every word, Lord, that you desire to be spoken, Lord, would be saturated in your oil, Lord. Lord, not only anoint me, Lord, but those that are watching, those that are listening, God. Lord, I pray that your anointing, Lord, would touch their heart, Lord, and God, that the word that goes forth, the seed that goes forth, Lord, God would uh, bring forth good fruit, Lord. And we'll give you all the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to preach a title, a message this morning simply titled, The Rolled Away Stone. The Rolled Away Stone. I read a report the other day, and it listed the top ten people that has changed the course of this world. They were, in the eyes of man, the most influential people that could have ever walked the face of this earth who had such an impact on it that their names live on forever and forever in the pages of books that we might read or in the inventions that were made. And no doubt these people have done great things. No doubt they deserve admiration for their great contribution to society. And I came across one in one of the 
top ten people, and in many people's opinion, the greatest person, the most influential person uh, that has ever lived upon this earth, that has made more of an impact upon society than anyone else, was by the man named Alexander Fleming. And you may know him because he is credited for the invention of penicillin. And it is noted by some as the greatest person to ever live because his invention of this particular drug has literally saved millions of lives around the world. In fact, some says that this drug is believed to have saved anywhere from 80 to 200 million people and is still saving lives all around the world today. And I don't doubt that this is true whatsoever. And absolutely, this is a great invention that the Lord gave him the wisdom to be able to do. But let me tell you that the greatest man that ever lived was not Alexander Fleming, nor was it any other man, but the greatest man that ever lived is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. This drug that was invented may save man from physical sickness, but only Jesus Christ can save man from the spiritual sickness, the sickness of the soul, and that is sin. His blood has saved more lives than any works of man's hands, and it's still saving lives today. Why? Because there's still power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hear me today. The blood of Jesus still saves. The blood of Jesus still heals. The blood of Jesus still delivers. We've gotten so far away from the blood because we thought the blood didn't work anymore. The blood still works. In fact, it's so powerful that it was saving lives before it was ever shed on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. If you don't believe me, read about Abraham. If you don't believe me, read about Moses. Read Read about Joshua, read about Rahab, read about David, read in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, a Hebrews great hall of fame, and you will see that by faith, by faith, each and every single one of these people were saved, amen? Let me tell you, any prescription medicine always has an expiration date of it, and they tell you, do not use past this day. But the blood of Jesus Christ is just as powerful as it was 2,000 years ago. I said his blood is still powerful, and it's still working today. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ, and I know that it is a statement that is made again and again and will be made behind pulpits, but I am so thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that he died on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago so that I could stand here today not only saved from the penalty of sin and not have to die and go to the devil's hell, but I have been stripped away from the powers of darkness that was bound me. I was once chained, but when he cried, it is finished. And I said yes to Jesus Christ. I was saved from an eternal hell and the powers of darkness had to go because he set me free. Hallelujah, I now have abundant life because of what he's done. That is why Paul said we preach Christ and him crucified. Let me tell you today, there is no other answer. It is still the blood. It has always been the blood and it will always be the blood. The redemption story that we sing, that we will sing one day when we get to heaven, won't be about anything else but about Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross. Amen. So we find in the previous chapter, in chapter 27, that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, had been sentenced to die on Calvary's cross. 
But before heading to Calvary, and we forget sometimes exactly what he endured. Because we talk about Jesus and we recognize that he died on Calvary's cross and absolutely it should be. But we fail sometimes to recognize what he endured before actually dying upon Calvary's cross. You see, he was scourged. Meaning he was beaten to the point of almost death. Where in fact most that underwent this kind of beating in that day and time never even made it past the beating. They died then. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head in mockery of him saying that he was and is the king of kings. And there they would be in the hall and they would take the reed and as the crown of thorns were there they would beat it upon his head and the thorns would press into his head and blood would shout from him. The laughter rang out from the hall of nearly 200 soldiers as they one by one would come by and spit in his face. Our Lord and Savior was treated like the most vile criminal that there ever was, but yet he knew no sin. As the song said, but yet he bore our sin. What he endured that day, I should have endured. You should have endured because we were deserving of all of that pain and affliction that he endured for us. It should have been me. It should have been you. It should not have been our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Weak from the amount of blood that was lost. He could not even begin to carry the cross up Golgotha's hill. And there Simon would be commissioned to help him. And there upon getting on the hill of Golgotha's hill. There three nails were driven into his hands and his to his feet. For that would be the place where he would hang and die a man that did no wrong but rather went about healing those that were sick that went about doing and performing miracles for people preaching and teaching god's words but yet was treated and suffered the death of one that was a hardened criminal think about this he was treated just like the two thieves on the cross he was done, and in my opinion, was done, and a lot worse than the two thieves upon the cross. You see, they were there for crimes that they had done. You and I <clears throat> deserved to be there. So you and I were that Barabbas. You and I were that one should have went there. But yeah, Pilate pardoned Barabbas, and he gave, and he sentenced Jesus to die. See, you and I were that Barabbas that was sentenced to die and should have went to Calvary's cross, but Jesus Christ took our place and pardoned us. You see, why did he endure this death? Why did he allow himself to endure all of the pain and all of the torment? Who did he do this for? I can tell you that he done this for you and he done this for me. And he did it out of love for you and I. He did it from love. John 3, 16, we all know the verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 15, 13, Greater love <clears throat> has no man known than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. You see, all of the world was in ruin and then exposed to the wrath of God. 
Man was in a hopeless condition, lost and undone, and yet God gave the greatest gift to humanity that could ever be received. And I just want to make a side note that God gave the greatest gift. You and I as believers, the greatest gift that you and I could ever give is the same gift that God gave to us 2,000 years ago, and that is His Son, Jesus. What the world needs now more than ever before is not our own opinions and not our own solution, but it's the answer the only answer Jesus Christ as God gave the provision as God gave that answer for us so too he's already laid it out we don't have to come up with a new idea we don't have to rack our brains and think what can I tell them give them Jesus give them Jesus because he works amen but he made the way possible for the enmity to be eliminated between God and man so that man wouldn't have to die eternally lost but could live forever you see there is no other way that man can be saved there is no other way that man can be restored and accepted by god no other way that man can be healed it's only through the shed blood of jesus christ that one can be changed that one can be healed that one can be transformed that one can be saved i'm not ashamed of the blood of jesus christ i'm not ashamed to talk about the blood i'm not ashamed to mention it again and again and again i'm not ashamed to talk talk about the cross of Jesus Christ we don't talk about the blood enough we don't sing about the blood enough what else is there to sing about what else is there to talk about it's the only thing to talk about it's the only thing to sing about it's the only thing to preach about and it's the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so we read that Joseph of Arimathea all of us know a disciple of Christ went to Pilate begging the body of our Lord Jesus Christ to give him a proper burial. You see, many of the disciples who had witnessed his death on Calvary watched as Joseph had taken his body and laid it in the tomb. And the whole reason for Joseph doing this was because, and many don't know it, as, as horrible as it was of the way that they crucified our Lord and what they did to him, but what they would have done is taken his body and tossed it out in a garbage dump. That's what they thought of him. But let me tell you, even if he would have been in a garbage dump, he still would have come up out of there. Oh my God, his resurrection wasn't dependent upon where he laid. It wasn't dependent upon that tomb. It had nothing to do about it. But Jesus Christ would have come up even if they would have tossed his body out in the garbage and in the trash, amen? But the Bible says that Mary Magdalene and the Mary, his mother, seen his body wrapped. They seen Joseph take his body and wrap his body and lay it in the tomb that was specifically picked out for him as well as they seen the stone that was rolled before it to prevent people from going in and out. And the question of their mind was who in the world? Who in the world is going to move and roll this stone away? You see, during the time of Passover preparations have been made to, to have spices prepared to, to place on his body. And many people don't understand what this is for because they look at a people that dies today. And now we have this process called embalming where the blood is drained and embalming fluid is placed in to preserve the body. But it didn't exist in that day and time. But yet spices were made to, uh, to, to anoint, if you will, the, the body to help preserve it. 
and they were doing this attending to his courts but again at the same time preparations were being made by Pilate to see to it that the body of Jesus was not stolen so while Mary and Anne were making preparations with the spices to go to him Pilate was also working in the same time to see that no one could get to him so that no one could steal him for fear of thinking they would say he was who he said that he was but let me tell you something again it wouldn't have mattered if Pilate would have got to his body it wouldn't have mattered or whatever he was still coming up amen but Mary's problem then is the same problem that we have now as she questioned and wondered, who will roll the stone away? We, and looking to man and wondering who will do this, we ourselves find us in the same position as Mary of wondering who's going to do it. Who's going to accomplish it? Who's going to fix the problems for us? Let me tell you, the answer's the same in every situation. His name is Jesus. He's already done it. We don't have to look to no one else. We don't have to wonder who's going to done it. Just look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The one who began it, the one who's ended it, the one who knows everything in between and simply place our faith in Christ and what he's done and that his blood is a solution and has answered every problem or every dilemma that we will ever face. So go and do what you have to do, Pilate would say. And we find that they go and they not only have the stone was rolled in front, but they sealed the stone around the tomb and set guards to watch over it. You see, they wanted so badly to prevent his resurrection power or they don't, I don't believe that they really believed that he was going to resurrect because if they truly believed that, they would know that no stone was going to hold him back, that that little bit of sealing or caulking or whatever they used around that stone was going to hold him back. My God, he had raised Lazarus from the dead who was dead four days. He had opened blinded eyes. He had walked on water. What in the world would have made them thought that placing this stone in front and sealing around was going to prevent him from coming out? The truth of the matter is they never believed that he was coming out because they didn't believe who he said that he was. So they thought that the disciples would go and take his body and then come up with this story and make them look like fools. But let me tell you, they looked like fools the day that he came out. Amen? Surely they thought that this would work because they labeled our Lord and Savior previous verses up as a deceiver because of his claims that he would rise again. And they were going to do everything within their power to make sure that he didn't escape that tomb. Matthew 12 and 40 says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see, Christ had prophesied and made it known to all of those around him of what would take place at his resurrection and it should not have ever been in question or doubt. He prepared his disciples. He told them again and again that he was going to die. Only for a limited time would he be with them. They should have not been in unbelief. They should not have been wandering. It's so sad, if you will. But let me tell you, and I said it last week, that if you and I were in their shoes, you and I, I doubt very seriously, would have done any differently. So he had prophesied and made it known to all of those around him what would take place. So again, his resurrection should have never been in doubt. It should have never been in question. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. When Abraham went up to Mount Moriah and went to offer up Isaac, Isaac said, we've got the wood and we've got the fire. But oh dad, where is 
There is the sacrifice. And he said, our Lord will provide. God will provide. And he went up there and he told the people, though, before they ever ascended to the mountain, wait here. Because the lad and I are going to come back down. We've gone to worship, but we're coming back down. It was typified there of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And there, as he was getting ready to bring the knife down upon his son, there God provided a, a ram caught in a thicket. And there the first name of all of the names that we give him was given to him as Jehovah Jireh, God the provider. We need to hear that today. He provided the lamb that would be slain for our sins, but he is Jehovah Jireh for whatever it is that you need because the blood of Jesus Christ has purchased it. Lay it all down. You don't have to shop around. It's been done. We don't have to work for it. And I know that that statement is controversial today because they don't want to deny themselves. But let me tell you, nothing God has for you can be merited. It is only given by His grace. We don't deserve it. There's nothing that we can do to merit it. To the fact to be able to say that something we've done to merit it means that God is in debt to us. But let me tell you, God is in debt to no man. He's provided it all in one provision. And that is His Son, Jesus Christ. So Mary Magdalene gets up early on a Sunday morning, and I was up early this morning, as I get up early every morning. And I find and I make my way outside to seek the Lord and, and to pray. And I went outside when it was dark and just barely a glimmer of light. And the first thought that came to my mind was, this is about what it must have been when Mary Magdalene traveled out to go to the tomb of Jesus Christ. You say, why were they doing this? Why were they making their way to the tomb before the sun come up just to put spices? Why is it that they couldn't have waited till the sun comes up? Let me tell you, love could not abandon its object, living or dead. She loved him so much that even as a dead man, she desired to be next to him. They loved him so much that they wanted to be there. The question I have for us today, for you today, do we love him this much? That even as a dead man, as a corpse, she wanted to be next to his body. We know that Jesus Christ is alive and well today. Do we love him that much? To God, I want to be right next to you. God, I want to be in your presence. I want to be where you're at. Do we love him that much? We holler and we scream it and we shout it all the time that we love him, that we love him. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. Love is an action word. For there to be that true, genuine love that God desires from us, there has to be the presence of a relationship. It is only in that relationship that we can show him our love, that he can love on me. I don't know about you, but there's times that I need him just to wrap his arms around me. There's times that I need him to touch me. There's times that I need him to, to move upon my behalf. But if I never enter into his presence, how's he going to do it? Do you blame Mary? You see, many may wonder why I love him the way that I do. That why tears can run down our faces when we speak of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, Nain's widow saw her son be restored. But I was raised in newness of life. Peter's mother-in-law was cured of a fever. But I was cured of the plague of sin. Mary and Martha often received visits from Jesus. But now, he don't just visit me, he dwells within that's why I love him so. 
So they came to the tomb and on their journey they wondered just how they were going to get past this stone. Who was going to help them move this giant obstacle of rock that was before them? You see, the stone was huge and could not be moved with physical strength. And I want to draw out the point of this, that the stone is a type of a barrier between man and God. It is a type of the barrier between man and God. And it was sealed off so that there was no chance unless the seal was broken of getting to Jesus. But the breaking of the law has sealed us from the presence of God, from relationship of God. Do you hear me today? That stone is a type of barrier that exists between sinful man and God. There was no way that we could get to him. It was sealed off because we had broken the law. There was no way that we could have access to him. There was no way that we could live with him for all of eternity. Because sin has separated us from the love of God. No access, no peace, but constant trouble is all that man knows. That's all that was happening. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. So sin is what separates us from God. It's a powerful force that no amount of good works, hear me, no amount of good works or good things can push through it. There are many today that look at this Easter holiday and understand that we don't just celebrate Easter one day of the year. I celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior each and every single day of the year. But many in this time of the year will try to give up something thinking that it will be pleasing to God. They'll go in many denominations and religions and offer up uh, sacraments and, and, and offer up gifts, if you will, thinking that it pleases the Lord. But the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I want to make it clear, because that word faith is loosely out out nowadays but it's not just faith because anybody has faith it's the only kind of faith that God will recognize and it's faith in Christ and his finished work you cannot have faith in yourself many have faith in their self many have faith in the Vatican many have faith in the Pope but let me tell you none of these things none of these things will divide will conquer that between you and God, the entity that is there, the only thing that will bring down that wall of partition that is between man and God is the blood of Jesus Christ. And unless your faith is anchored in Christ and what he has done, like the song says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, then we're not pleasing God. He's only pleased with his son, who he said that he was pleased in when he come up out of the river of Jordan. But when you say yes to Jesus, you're baptized into Christ and now he's pleased with me not me as me who I am but because of who I am in that's why he's pleased with me I don't have to do anything to make him love me more he loves me because I'm in Jesus Christ his beloved son So these women were barred from seeing Jesus just as you and I were barred from the presence of God because of our sin. They had no access to him through the means of their own strength, no access to him through the means of their own works, just as you and I had no access to him through any good works that we could ever do. Every time we would have tried to come to the Lord with our own works, I imagine it as being something where you have to have a key pass. 
And that card is recognized and synchronized with that device that's there. And many people are coming with the wrong card because it's not been dipped in the blood of Jesus Christ. And you come to it with works and every time it will be access denied. But come to it with the blood of Jesus. Christ and access it will always be granted amen with the blood of Jesus Christ you are assured that you will always have access into the throne room of grace so no matter how hard they might have pushed nothing was going to budge this stone nothing was going to move this stone nothing was going to break this seal no matter how hard you try no matter how hard you push within yourself you will never remove the wall of sin that stands between you and God. The reason why is because you won't do the first thing that he told us that we have to do, and that is to deny self. Many are trying to push the stone away. Many are trying to chisel the seal off. Many are trying to do that, but it will not work. You've got to first deny yourself. Throw up your hands. Lord, I can't. Here I am, Lord, merciful unto me, a sinner. I am in need of your grace. Sin demanded death, so in order for us to escape the penalty of sin, death was endured by Jesus Christ. And the only way that the sin debt of you and I was going to be paid and settled for all of eternity, hear me, for all of eternity, was for him to die because he was the perfect sacrifice that could act as a substitute for you and I. A sacrifice that was untainted. A sacrifice that was unblemished. A sacrifice that was spotless. The only way that this could have been provided was by God himself. John 1.29 Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Not just cover, but taketh away the sin of the world. You should be happy and excited about that because the blood of Jesus Christ took away past sins, took away the present sins, and took away the future sin of the world when he died there 2,000 years ago he took away the sin that ever existed before he took away the sin then and he took away the sin futuristically of which we're living in now and for all of eternity one selfless act of love could and would forever settle the debt of sin that man owed and with one drop of his precious blood all of my sins one drop do we realize that one drop was all it took to remove my sins. The stain that sin had left behind would be removed and leave us now pure than the driven snow. The guards that watched over him were there to stop any admittance to the body of Jesus from all of the people. They were there and had been given rights and commands by Pilate to do whatever it was that they needed to do to keep people from getting to Jesus. To keep people barred from him. We see the enemy working just like that in today's time. The powers of darkness are working now more than ever before to try to get this gospel from going forth, to try to stop people from getting to Jesus Christ, and he will use whatever means that he can. But can I tell you that Matthew 24, 14 said, and this gospel 
I said in this gospel, Jesus Christ and him crucified, because that is the gospel of the kingdom, shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all the nations, and then shall the end come. Let me tell you, we're living in perilous times. We're living in the last days, and the gospel is going forth now more than ever before. Look at what is happening now. Churches are reaching people like they never could have reached before. We're hearing from people in this area. We're hearing from people in other states. We're hearing from people in other countries because the gospel of Jesus Christ is going forth. The fulfillment of this verse is happening right now and you and I should get excited because the Bible says that then shall the end come. We are soon and very soon to leave this old world of sin. I don't know about you, but I've never been homesick before. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to pack my bags. Now, I don't need no bags. I'm going up just like I am. Naked I come in and I'm going out the same way I came in with nothing. Amen? So no trick of the enemy is going to stop the true church of the living God from preaching this glorious gospel. No doubt the enemy thinks that this with the coronavirus, COVID-19, would stop the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that it is a tactic of the government. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying that the enemy, devil, the powers of darkness, hell itself, thought for sure that this would stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. But little did he know, God poured out his spirit and in these last hundred years has given men wisdom and knowledge so that we've got the technology to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ain't got to get, we ain't uh, got to be in a church building to get saved. Uh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. It didn't say in church, it said, whosoever, meaning whoever, black, white, yellow, red, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. It don't matter if you're in your car. It don't matter if you're in the hospital. It don't matter if you're uh, uh, in your home. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall, not maybe, not, and if you do a series of works, call on his name, and you shall be saved. Mary and them gets there to the tomb. And as they were walking there again, the question was played in their mind and had been played in their mind for the last three days. Who's going to move this stone for us? Who's going to do it? Because there's no way that we could do it ourselves. But to their surprise, they not only find the seal broken, as if that wouldn't have been good enough, because the seal being broken would have perhaps made it just a little bit easier if a lot of people would have come. But not only did they find the seal broken, but she found the stone completely removed. I mean, not just barely pushed back. My God, that stone was flung, I believe, all the way to the side, showing the power of Almighty God. You see, the door to Jesus was completely unhinged. Their mouths must have dropped to the ground as they walked upon the place where he had been laid. And their question of how they would get to Jesus had already been answered. Because when he died on Calvary's cross, he said, it is finished. It paid the debt of sin. The that you and I owe that can never be owed. And when he cried and gave up the ghost because no man took his life, he willingly gave it. The veil was ripped from top now giving access for you and I to go to him and for him to come and abide in our hearts and lives today. One of the greatest lessons of the resurrection is that the solution to our problem does not depend upon us. The solution to our problem has already risen. And his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has done the work 
Therefore, we should let the words, it is finished, be ingrained in our minds, should be seared in our conscience each and every single day. It is finished. Those three words needs to get a place in our heart, and it needs to stay there. It's finished. It's done. It is completed. The work has already been done. We've got to believe this, not just on Sunday, but each and every single day, not just when we're on top of the mountain, but when we're down in the valley. It is finished. What I need from him today he's already purchased it you name it he's done it no devil in hell no power of darkness could stand in the presence of jehovah the guards were attacking fear fell upon them every demon in hell ran because they thought for sure that they had won you see the resurrection of our lord and savior removed every obstacle that could ever stand between us and jesus and again, it granted us access into the throne of grace. And see, they seen an angel of the Lord who was commissioned to come marrying them. And they found uh, the stone had been removed so that Jesus could come out. And as they got there, they find this angel sitting, sitting upon the stone. And not only was the stone removed, but the angel was sitting on it to show that the work had already been done completed. Now understand here, we said that the stone was a type, a barrier of sin, if you will, that stood between you and the Lord. But there the stone was flung away. Their son was done, the, the sin was done away with because the debt of sin had been paid. And there he sat down upon that stone, signifying that he had won the victory. That signified that sin shall no longer have dominion over you and I. He was sitting up top of the stone. He's already defeated it. Sin shall now not have no dominion over us because we're in Christ Jesus. The work has been done. It's been forever settled. So now you and I can walk free and enjoy abundant life that he has died to give. Hebrews 10 and 12 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down, sat down on the right hand of God. See, he sat down because he performed the work that was needed. So no more animals would ever have to be slain. No more animals' blood would have to be shed for the last blood that would ever be shed was shed that day on Calvary's cross. You see, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior signified that the atonement was sufficient, that the debt of sin was paid, have been accepted by God. So now every believing sinner who comes to Jesus Christ is loosed from the grip of sin and death and can now walk in resurrection power and live forever with Him one day. If it wasn't just good enough to be able to live with Him one day for all of eternity, now you and I can walk in resurrection power, free from the dominion of sin. It should be on top of us. We should be as the angel on top of it and it underneath our feet, not because of the power resides within us ourselves, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you and I. You see, the angel looked at Mary and said, don't fear because he's risen. And if you don't believe me, just come and see where he lay. Because you're not going to find a body there. In fact, you're going to find the clothes, as I believe it was the gospel according to John. The napkin was folded up. There, the, 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 what, the wrappings around him was there folded up. Neat. Let me tell you, if somebody would have stolen the body of Jesus Christ, they sure wouldn't have took time to fold up the cloth or the napkins 
You see, the weeping was over. Sorrow had to go. The tears had to be wiped away. Mortality had just given to mortality. Jesus was and is alive. Revelations 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead. Was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Don't need a locksmith because he took back the keys to hell and to death. Amen. I said it before. You go by the tomb of Mohammed and you'll find bones there. You go by the tomb of Buddha, you'll find bones there. But go by the tomb of wherever it may be. I don't even have to go by there because I know that Jesus Christ is alive. He was dead, meaning past tense, but now he's alive. And not just alive then, but alive forevermore. And I and every other blood-bought child of God is going to live for him forever, more for all of eternity. Death couldn't hold him. Death won't hold you. Victory was won, and he took back the keys to hell and the grave so that you and I now could walk in victory where victory was denied before no way it could have ever been satan held the keys but jesus christ took them back that day and now you and i can walk in victory think about that you and i that were once dead in sins and in our trespass bound had no control over what we were doing but the day that we said yes to jesus christ the power of sin was broken and the things that was bound to set our feet my god i'm now walking on top of because of Jesus Christ. The greatest victory was won that day. As well as the greatest defeat was suffered that day. Death had been conquered. Because he got up that day, every blood-bought child of God will get up with him one day for all of eternity. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Thank God for that. Thank God. We just buried my grandfather yesterday. And I just want to make this known. Because I feel it impressed upon my heart and spirit the other day, the Lord came for him at 1225 on Wednesday morning. And we hear the stories and we've heard them so much that I wonder if many people truly believe it. And there death was in his eyes. He had not responded in the last eight hours to any individual. The breath was rapid in his physical body in the outer shell there. And at 1225 that morning, and the end of mine was getting ready to go upstairs and said, Daddy, I'm getting ready to go to sleep. And we, me, my mom and my other aunt were sitting there. And upon her saying that, and you got to understand, the, the look that was in his eyes is the look of death that I have seen before in other individuals that are soon to leave here. The look that was there of glazed over, of glossed over, almost seeming to no recognition whatsoever that was present in this world. And then all of a sudden, the head went to the right. The eyes flung open, and they were clear as day. The gloss had been removed. The grayness had been removed. And my aunt looked and said, oh, Lord, I think he sees Jesus. We hopped up off that couch, and it was no doubt that he seen Jesus Christ. The presence of God filled house and there as the breath became lower I found myself getting ready to say don't leave but the 
or stop me. And what my grandpa couldn't do in praising and shouting his way out of here, the Holy Spirit flowed through me and we praise him out of here in the glory. We worship the Lord, uh, him going in the glory and our hands were lifted up where he could lift his up and there Jesus Christ came for him. Let me tell you, he comes for his. He comes for his. And there in that moment, I seen the sting of death taken away. One day, he's going to come up out of that ground. One day, my grandma's going to come up. And every other blood-bought child of God that has ever died from the beginning of time to now in Christ Jesus is going to come up out of that grave. And you and I are going to join them in the clouds there to meet the Lord. And there we're ever going to be. If that don't put a smile on your face, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Amen. You see, the greatest day other than Calvary that the world had ever seen and known was the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, I don't serve a dead man today. I don't serve a monument like any other religion serves. But I serve a risen and a living Savior. How do I know? A lot of people, the angels here said, come and see where they lay. So that the evidence was there that Jesus Christ was not laying there. That what had just been spoken was in fact true. But the evidence of today of knowing that he is alive and well, the greatest evidence, the most obvious evidence, is in the lives of those that he lives and that he dwells. Of those whose sin has been removed. Of those who he has came to live in and to dwell. I said it yesterday in his argument and I copied it, copyrighted it if you will. A statement that our pastor Jason Collins and the other church had made. And he said, uh, you may have an argument, but I have an experience. And an experience will trump an argument all day long. You can argue with me all day long that he's not real, that he's not alive, that he's not the son of the living God. But I've had an experience that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know that he is alive and well and that he came up out of that grave because he's living inside of me. And because he's living inside of me, and as we yield to him, he can now live through us. The greatest evidence that Jesus Christ is alive and well today is in the lives of his children because we are the light bearers amen you see he lives as that song said he lives christ jesus lives today because he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way he lives he lives to do what salvation to impart you ask me how i know he lived he lives within He's alive and well today. I know it because one day he came into my heart. He took away the stone of sin that was there that barred me from him. And I'm alive and a new creature. If they'll want to come and play something softly upon the piano. The greatest man that ever has lived again came and walked this earth and won back everything that was lost at Calvary from victory over sin, and as well, death of the grave. You see, the reality is that Easter is observed once a year to many in the world, but to the blood-bought child of God, again, it is celebrated each and every single day of the year. With all that is going on in the world today, you may feel hopeless. You may feel empty. You may feel alone. 
but I can tell you that there is one who gives hope to the hopeless, fullness to the empty. Comfort and peace to those that are alone. There's a lot of people that feel all alone today. They feel empty. You may have tried everything in this world to feel that emptiness, but to none effect, you're still empty. You still feel alone. It's time to come home. It's time to say yes to Jesus Christ, the one who will never leave you nor forsake you, the one who will fill that void that is within the heart. See, Jesus is alive and he's calling for you today. He's done the work and all he wants you to do is to believe. All he wants you to do is accept that he did it for you. He did it for you. He went to Calvary's cross for you shed his blood for you, resurrected for you, so that you could live for all of eternity with him. To us, to those of you that are saved, he's living inside of you for the purpose of you to know his resurrection power, but also so that you will be a bearer of light, so that you will carry the torch in this dark world so that you will proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and say that he is alive. So what are we doing with this resurrection of Jesus? What are we doing with him? Are we giving him to other people? Are we telling others about him? Because if we're not, we're doing the greatest disservice that we could ever do. We know the solution to man's problem. And his name is Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you did at Calvary's cross. Lord, we've said it once, twice already in the service. But Lord, it bears repeating. In fact, it bears repeating each and every single day, Lord. Every hour, every minute, and every second, Lord. Lord, you conquered death, hell, and the grave, Lord. You took back the keys, Lord so that now we can walk in victory and resurrected power. Lord, for those that are in bondage today, Lord, not understanding that the work has already been done, God, we believe in our hearts, Lord, that, God, you have impressed it upon them, Lord, through the words of this message, that, Lord, you've already done the work, Lord, and that, God, they can walk in resurrection power by just simply believing in what you've already done. Just as Mary seen the tomb flung away, Lord, God, let us get a realization, Lord, that everything that was needed, Lord, the victory that we need in our lives has already been won. It's already been done, Lord. And now we can walk in resurrection power. Lord, to the ones that are hopeless, Lord, the ones that are empty, the ones that don't know which way to go. Lord, we know that the drawing of the Holy Spirit is there right now. And Lord, you're calling for them to come home. And we're going to pray this prayer because I feel it impressed upon my heart and spirit. And to not give you an invitation to say yes to Jesus Christ would be wrong. So as we say this prayer, understand that it's not words alone that will save you, but it's what you say it behind with faith. And we're going to say it now, and we want you to repeat it with us. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the things that I've done, for the way that I have lived.
Lord, I am a sinner. But I believe that you came into this world. You died on Calvary's cross. You shed your blood so that you could take away my sin. And I believe that on the third day that God raised Christ Jesus from the grave. And he is now alive forevermore. And I believe that Jesus Christ today has washed away my sins, has cleansed me, has forgiven me. And now I can say that I'm washed, that I am forgiven, that I am saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you again. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for the victory that you've given to us. And Lord, we thank you that one day soon, Lord, you're coming back for us, Lord. Lord, let us be ready, Lord. Let us be not called unaware, but let us be watching and waiting for that day for your soon appearing, Lord. God, we love you today. We praise you. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.